You are Locked On Raiders, your daily Oakland Raiders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is Wednesday, February 27th. 2019 your boy Q here with you and it is combine week very excited about that you know at the end of the week is when all the action really gets ramped up it gets going and everything is on NFL Network this is my week man I'm telling you I live for this week I love it I know I call it the underwear Olympics but I can't help myself it's on my bucket list. It's one of those things that I really want to go to at some point and just cover it and just soak it all in wasn't able to do that this year but who knows Maybe uh, next year. So what is going today, and depending on what time you're actually listening to this podcast, it might already be over, but uh, Mike Mayock, he meets with the media at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So like I said, depending on where you are, it might already be over. He might have already gone, but very interested that he is a uh, first-time GM, and he's going to be the first GM that talks to the media. And I think that that's really cool. That happens today, and on Thursday, John Gruden's going to be talking to the media, and he'll be the first head coach at 9 a.m. Eastern as well. So I'm positive that we'll have some good stuff to talk about what Mike Mayock had to say on Thursday's episode of the podcast. Today on the show, I have calls up that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line coming up in segment number three, and that's only if what I have going on in segment number two doesn't run long. So I might have calls. I might not have calls. Let's put it like that. In segment number two, what I do have, I'm going to have thoughts from Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter. You know, you can find him on NFL Network. He's kind of the guy now, now that Mike Mayock is gone and he's the GM of the Raiders. Now Daniel Jeremiah is like the number one draft analyst dude on NFL Network. So what he did is a teleconference on the draft and the combine, and that's something that Mike Mayock used to do every single year, something I always look forward to. Well, he did it, and I broke it down. I broke the whole thing down, and it was over an hour long. So I'm going to bring his quotes to the podcast today because I think it's something that you would be interested in. I know it's something that I love. Again, it might be something that you're interested in and might educate you a little bit more as you get ready for the draft. I know it does uh, a lot of good for me. So hopefully uh, you'll enjoy that. That's coming up in segment number two and possibly segment number three, depending on how much of it I use. I Honestly, I had like 30 or 40 quotes that I got from this teleconference. I'm not going to bring all of them to the table, but I'm going to bring the ones that I feel like uh, Raider Nation are, are going to want to hear. So that's coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, I wanted to speak on two wide receivers. One, I spoke on on Tuesday's episode. That's Michael Crabtree. I spoke about him, and I knew he'd come up. I knew there was going to be a lot of Raider Nation intrigued and wanted him to return to the Raiders because, well, Derek Carr needs a security blanket. They had good chemistry. He could be a veteran leader. He's probably humbled now. And like I said on Tuesday, blah, 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 blah. Raider Nation, let me say this. First and foremost, let me knock this out. There was a call on Tuesday's episode that mentioned Michael Crabtree, and you see I didn't even address it because I already had talked about it in segment number one. But... 
because I got so much action on Twitter today. So many people tweeting at me. And again, I'm not going after anybody. I'm not saying anything is silly. I mean, I had a lot of good back and forth conversation. But the fact that I talked about Michael Crabtree a ton on Twitter with different uh, Raider fans let me know all I need to know that I actually needed to address this subject a little bit more. Michael Crabtree is not returning to the Raiders. He has continued to decline ever since his 1,000-yard season in 2016. Check this out, Raider Nation. In 2016, Michael Crabtree had 1,003 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. That was a really good season. Remember, Amari Cooper went over 1,000 yards as well. 2016, again, that was the magical season. That was when Derek Carr was out on his, on his A game. That's when Latavius Murray was on his A game. That's when Michael Crabtree. I mean, everything just went right until it didn't go right. Again, I don't have to relive that Christmas Eve at the Oakland Coliseum against the Colts. I just don't have to do it. I was there. Mama Q was there. Little Q was there. And Little Q was there. So uh, that's something that will always play back in my mind. And I know Raider Nation, that's always going to play back in your mind. The question will always be, what if? What if D.C. hadn't got hurt? Anyway, 2016, 1,003 yards receiving, eight touchdowns. 2017, his last year in Oakland, 618 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, eight touchdowns, that's cool. That's what he had in 2016. But look at that drop-off. He went from 1,003 yards to 618. And I'm not saying it's all on Michael Crabtree. A lot of that had to do with the offense. A lot of it had to do with Derek Carr. A lot of it had to do with just the team not being on the same page. I totally get that. But if you drop off from 1,003 yards to 618 yards, there's also something wrong with you. You know, and then all of a sudden he led the league in drops that year too. Remember with 18, 18 drops. Remember how we used to get on Amari Cooper? Remember how us as fans got on Amari Cooper for dropping the ball a lot, putting it on the ground and leading the league? Well, Michael Crabtree did that in 2017. Okay, fast forward to 2018 after he's been released from the the Raiders and he goes and signs a three-year deal with the Ravens. Again, three-year deal with the Ravens. He lasts one season, and he only has 600 in yard, 607 yards excuse me, receiving and three touchdowns. So my man went in a very short period of time from 2016 through 2018. He went from 1,003 yards and eight touchdowns to 607 yards and three touchdowns. That is not only a steady decline. That is a major decline. Over 400 yards receiving and five touchdowns? Come on, Raider Nation. Is that the security blanket that you really want? Come on, man. It is not the security blanket that you really want. I honestly am okay with Derek Carr checking down to a security blanket named Jalen Richard. I'm fine with that. Michael Crabtree does not need to return to the Raiders. Not for 607 yards, three touchdowns, and whatever kind of attitude he's going to throw. Because we already know. Michael Crabtree, his MO is the first couple seasons that he's somewhere – He's really good. Then all of a sudden, he kind of gets into his own little mode. I mean, look at this. He's been released, or he's been let go from the 49ers. They let him walk in free agency. The Raiders released him, and then the Baltimore Ravens released him after one year. And they don't really have major weapons around him. They really don't. They don't have that many weapons around Lamar Jackson. Michael Crabtree was brought in to be his security blanket. Guess what? He's gone. I know at first he was brought in to be Joe Flacco's security blanket, but He lobbied for Lamar Jackson to stay on as the quarterback. If you remember, go back and do some history. Do some homework. Michael Crabtree did a lot of lobbying to get Lamar Jackson to stay in as the quarterback, saying you need to stick with him. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. Guess what? He got cut. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, there's a reason why teams let guys go. He's 31 years old. Let him go latch on somewhere else. I'm sorry. That is over. Derek Carr had good chemistry with him. Yes. You tell me that's the only wide receiver he can have good chemistry with? If there is... If that is the case, then something's wrong with him. 
And I'm not trying to bring up a camera of words and talk about Derek Carr and, you know, start no mess about. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, if there's only one wide receiver he can have really good chemistry with and be on the same page with, if that's Michael Crabtree, then something's wrong with Derek Carr. That's just me. All right. The next wide receiver that I want to talk about is not a former Raider wide receiver. He's never been a Raider wide receiver. He did play on the West Coast, and that's John Ross. All right. Former first-round guy, burner, out of Washington. He's very young. He's only been in the league two years, and as of so far, he's been a bust. Let's just call it what it is, Raider Nation. John Ross has been an absolute bust with the Bengals, and according to reports, he's on the trade block right now. Him and his agent and the Bengals are going to be shopping him at the Combine. Remember I said a lot of things happen at the Combine, even though they're not supposed to? It's out there. He's being shopped at the Combine right now. So I'm just throwing this out there, and I'm not suggesting this. I'm just throwing this out there. Is this a dude that the Raiders would or should have any interest in. Think about it, Raider Nation, before you say, hell no, Q, you just said he's a bust. Think about it. He's been banged up so far in his NFL career. His rookie year is 2017. He only played in three games. Guess how many catches he had? Zero. (laughs) Zero. His rookie year, he played in three games. 2018, he played in 13 games. Had 21 catches, 210 yards, and seven touchdowns. All right, so 10 yards a catch and seven touchdowns. Now, that was all he has done so far in his career, which has been two years. So, my point is, if he could be had for a late-round pick, would you rather the Raiders take a chance on a guy like that? A guy who was a killer in college at Washington? An absolute burner? A guy that could help stretch the field like the Raiders had with uh, James Jett back in the day? Again, not suggesting it. I'm just asking, Raider Nation. What do you think? Would you like the Raiders to take a chance on a dude like that for a late-round pick? Like, say... If it's me and the Bengals said, hey, Q, you're the GM of the Raiders. What would you give us for John Ross? Or, hey, you guys probably need a burner, right? We know you like to throw the ball deep. You want to chuck the ball deep. Guess what? Derek Carr wasn't able to do that in in 2018. Didn't really have that deep field threat after Amari Cooper was traded. John Ross is a burner. What would you give me for him? If it was me and they asked me that, I would give up a fifth-round pick for him. He was a former first-round pick. I'd give up a fifth-round pick and take a chance. I mean, think about this. The Raiders gave up a third-round pick for Martavis Bryant. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? And he was on his last strike. You already knew that he was one second away from being basically uh, banned out of the league or suspended again for a long time. You know what I mean? So John Ross has never gotten in trouble off the field. He has been banged up, but he did play in 13 games in 2018. Didn't have a a lot of production. 21 catches, 210 yards, but seven touchdowns. Would I like to see him kind of take the take the top off of defense? Open things up for other guys? If anything, you can do them like you did James Jett back in the day. Remember when Jeff George and James Jett were, were like that one-two connection? All you had James Jett was run nines. Go. Post route. Post route. Run nines. Run nines. Run nine. Go post. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you had him do because he was a burner. And Jeff George just hauled back and threw it. And a lot of times it dropped in his lap. And James Jett would either drop the ball or catch it and get a touchdown. James Jett just didn't have very good hands. John Ross has really good hands. He's just got to stay healthy. And obviously, a change of scenery is something he needs. Again, Raider Nation, not suggesting that it has to happen. Just do you think that it would be a good idea if you can pull him for a late-round pick? Like I said, I, would, I wouldn't have a problem giving up a fifth-round pick for him. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't. He's a young dude. He's not a diva. He has a lot to prove. Right now, he's labeled as a bust, but you know he's got that top-end speed. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know speed's not everything, 
but speed kills, and you can't teach it. So I'm just throwing it out there, Raider Nation, 707-654-4693. You can let me know on that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line what you think about that. Again, not suggesting it, just throwing it out there because he is on the trade block. That's a former first-round draft pick. So that's, a, that's my thoughts on that, and that's my question I have for you. Coming up, segment number two, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network. He had a teleconference. I broke it all down. Uh, got a lot of good quotes from it. That's coming to you next right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast. You are Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are, Raider Nation, segment number two on the Locked On Raiders podcast on this Wednesday, February 27, 2019. Your boy Q, and I'm excited about this segment. Daniel Jeremiah had a teleconference. Usually Mike Mayock would do it every single year, and I'd always listen to the whole thing. I'd break it down, play it on the radio show, and have a lot of fun, and I'm definitely going to play a lot of these quotes on the radio show as well, but like I always tell you, I try to treat this podcast the same way I treat the radio, so I want to bring these to you. Hopefully you enjoy them. Hopefully you learn a lot from them. You kind of get something from it, like I do each and every year. But Daniel Jeremiah, he held his teleconference, and like I said, I broke it all down. So here's some quotes that I thought were pretty intriguing, and I'm bringing them to you right now. So starting things off, DJ had an opening statement for the draft, what he believes the deepest position is and what he believes the weakest positions are. Here's DJ on that. To me, it's all about big guys. Premier talent and depth at the defensive line position, inside, outside. It's outstanding, and it carries deep into the draft. And offensive line-wise, while there's not a – a premier guy, you know, somebody that's a top five lock that we've seen in some previous years. I think it's a really, really good group, especially once you get to the middle of the first round, probably all the way to the middle of the third, uh, around the fourth round range. Really good offensive line. And then tight end-wise, one of the better tight end drafts we've had in a while with, with premier top end guys as well as a lot of depth uh, all the way through. Uh, the linebacker position would probably be the thinnest uh, inside linebacker position when you're looking at where it's a little bit light, I don't know there's quite the same talent or depth um, at that position. So that would uh, kind of give you a look at the class there. And then quarterback-wise, two of the more intriguing guys, um, when you look at, at Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, and then three other guys that I think are jostling for position. We talk about Drew Locke from Missouri, Daniel Jones from Duke, and, uh, and Finley from NC State. So it be fun to watch all those guys compete in Indianapolis. And, with that, uh, we can get rolling here. I'll take some questions. If, if Bryce Harper signs with the Padres, please be sure to update me. All right, so that was his opening thoughts right there. That kind of got everything started. And this is when different people chime in and ask questions. And so, again, I'm not going to have the questions that everyone asks. I'm just going to tell you what DJ's talking about. And when I say DJ, I'm talking Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter. So, of one of the first questions off the top, DJ's thoughts on Houston's defensive tackle, Ed Oliver. He's been a guy that a lot of Raider Nation has said, man, if he falls to the Raiders at number four, I wouldn't mind taking him. Or if the Raiders trade back, that's something I said. If the Raiders trade back to nine or ten and Ed Oliver's there, I wouldn't mind taking him there either. Uh, I'm not real super high on him at four, but again, it's not about me. This is what Daniel Jeremiah had to say. So here's DJ, his thoughts on Ed Oliver. Look, he's, he is so dynamic and so explosive. And I, it's frustrating to watch him because they play him a lot head up over the center. And uh, you talk to some D-line coaches, when you have an athlete like that, you know, say, why would you line him up blocked? You know, let him get in a gap and let him get upfield where he can use that quickness and, and really be disruptive. Um, I think he'll benefit kind of from a move to that three technique full-time, park him in there and let him go. Um, some people, some teams believe they could put him outside and, 
and uh, and stand him up and, and see kind of could this be a Melvin Ingram type player uh, for the Chargers on the edge. So we got some versatility to move around there. All right, sticking with the defensive side of the ball, Mississippi State edge rusher Montez Sweat. He was the guy that a lot of Raider Nation saw at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, John Gruden, the, the whole Raiders coaching staff, they were there at the Senior Bowl. And Montez Sweat, he really showed out. So DJ is going to give his thoughts on Mississippi State edge rusher Montez Sweat, where he thinks he may get his name called, like what part of round one he believes his name will be called at. Here he is. You know, Montez is... Man, that's how you want to draw up a defensive end, I and mean, that's what you want him to look like. He is tall and long and explosive. Uh, we got a chance to see him up close there at the, at the Senior Bowl. Got a unique ability to be able to bend and wrap at the top of his rush once he gets to the very top to be able to flatten to the quarterback. I mean, you can watch the, you know, the Auburn game. He just completely takes takes it over in terms of, of just abusing that tackle. Um, he's got big time, big time get off and burst now. I wish he would get a little bit stronger. In the run game, he can get too high at times and, and can get pushed around. Um, but I think he's, you know, in terms of which specific team, I think he's going to be a top 20 pick. He's going to be in the mix for all those teams that are looking for edge rushers. Um, you know, how early does that start? I mean, probably, I would say probably around 8 with Detroit is where that conversation could begin. Uh, I could see Green Bay at 12 being a fit. Um, Carolina at 16 would make some sense. Those are a couple spots um, where I could see him uh, really fitting in. All right, now switching over to the quarterback position. This is a good question, and this is something that's been debated on the podcast a few times, but Daniel Jeremiah is talking about Kyler Murray, and that's his number one-ranked quarterback, and then Dwayne Haskins, that's his number two quarterback. So on this question, he's asking or he's responding to what separates Kyler Murray from Dwayne Haskins. Why is Kyler Murray number one? Why is Dwayne Haskins number two? Here's DJ on that. It's polar opposites with these quarterbacks, with those top two guys for me. Um, and I, I started out with Haskins ahead of Kyler Murray. Prototypical size for Haskins. You know, pure pocket passer, can make every throw. Um, really turned it on late in the year, which was good to see. Um, the concern a little bit there was just the immobility, uh, be able to kind of get himself out of trouble if he, if he gets under some heat being able to move off of his spot and be consistent and be accurate. Um, that was my concern with him. Kyler Murray, my hang-up were, were really two. One was, uh, you know, his commitment, his focus on football. You know, was that going to be there? I think it's impossible for a quarterback to juggle two sports, um, even just leaving the possibility open-ended. I don't know how a team could have taken him in the first round if he didn't completely uh, eliminate baseball from the conversation. And, that's what it sounds like he's done. So that took care of the first concern for me. And the second concern was the, the bulk. You know, I didn't know how much this guy weighed. Here are all these different numbers thrown around during the fall. Some, some folks told me he's going to be 185, 183 pounds. And that, to me, was a major concern, just durability-wise. I don't know if you can hold up at that size. That's a, that's a major issue for me. And then the information I've been given, I think Peter King even wrote about it today, was that he was up to 206 pounds. So I don't know what he played at in the fall. He played at 195, you know, 198, 200, I have no idea. But if he shows up and he's over 200 pounds and carries that well, that helps with some of the durability. Um, Kyler can make every single throw. He can drive the ball. You know, on the, those whole shots against cover two on the sideline between the corner and the safety, that's a big boy throw. Uh, he makes those effortlessly. So he's got plenty of arm strength. I've seen him work through progressions. You see it more with Dwayne. Uh, but I've seen Kyler Murray show that he can do that. And then the X factor is just, you know, when he takes off, it's, it's electric. 
So that to me was kind of the tiebreaker. I think Kyler Murray can do a lot of the things that Dwayne Haskins can do throwing the football, but then Kyler has that extra element with what he can do athletically. All right, so there's going to be more stuff on Kyler Murray. There's going to be more stuff on Dwayne Haskins, more stuff on the quarterbacks in general, but I'm kind of just going in order that the questions were asked here. So uh, there will be more Kyler Murray coming up. Right now, DJ's talking about Alabama guys. If there's any Alabama guys that should have returned to school, and I play this because the guy that he suggests, He's been talked about a few times on this podcast. He's been suggested and even mock draft as early as uh, early in the year. Not really as of late, but he was uh, mocked as a first-round guy that the Raiders would take. So uh, here's DJ on if any of the Alabama guys should have returned to school. I, I don't think Deontay Thompson finished up the season the way you'd want to finish it up. Uh, that Clemson game, there was you know, put a lot of doubt in some people's minds. You know, can, can he really run? Um, that was a concern there. I, I thought... You kind of had some, some big games early on in the season where you got really excited about him. I want to say Ole Miss was one of those. But I thought he would have been one. Maybe go back, get a little bit stronger, um, and then you go from being in that, you know, I have him I have him kind of in the mid to late second round range. Um, and he goes back to school and gets a little bit stronger and a little bit more consistent um, as a tackler as well as, as just making some more plays down the stretch. I think you're talking about somebody that's a first-round lock next year. So that would be one. I thought maybe could have benefited from going back. Very interesting thoughts right there. Uh, he's talking about the safety from Alabama, Deontay Thompson, and he's a guy that all I can think of is that national championship game. And, yeah, he had a nice body of work uh, leading up to that national championship game. But, man, every time I looked up in that national championship game, I saw the back of his jersey chasing someone from Clemson. And I get it. Clemson has a lot of speed. But, man, it just he had a terrible national championship game. I thought going back to school would be a good idea as well. And uh, DJ kind of concurred with me, or maybe I just concurred with him. Either way, let's keep this moving. DJ is talking about the defensive lineman that would fit what the Raiders do and what he thinks Mike Mayock may be looking for because obviously we all know they have a really good relationship. He knows Mike Mayock very well. This is a very, very intriguing question, and I love his answer. I like his answer a lot. I'm not going to say love, but I like his answer a lot. DJ on defensive linemen that would fit what the Raiders do and what he thinks Mike Mayock may be looking for. Great question. I mean, there are so many defensive linemen, I think, that would fit and, and make sense for him. And uh, we've talked about kind of the top-end guys at the beginning of the first round. You know, the Raiders have those picks in the bottom of the first round. So if they don't take one early, I still think there are some real intriguing players for them uh, to keep an eye on there late in the 20s. One name I'll throw out to you is, is L.J. Collier from TCU, who I think you're going to see continue to kind of get more notoriety and attention as we go through the process. He's, you know, In terms of what Mike would be looking for, know how much he values kind of you know, strength, toughness, power, effort, um, those are the things that Mike's always talked about for a long time, as long as I've known him. And you see L.J. Collier, he's got a nasty little shake bowl move. He's got quick hands. He can convert speed to power. Um, he can play a little bit inside. He can play outside. He's got some versatility that way. So he would be one, I think, kind of in the bottom of one. Uh, Jalen Ferguson is another one with real heavy hands. Who's kind of, to me, a little bit of a poor man's Chandler Jones uh, he's got unbelievable production when you look at it. I think he led the nation in sacks. So uh, he's another one I think you kind of keep an eye on there uh, at the end there in that in that uh, end of the first round where they've got some options. So they can go in a lot of different ways. You know, early on with that first pick, um, you know, somehow, some way, we've seen it happen before. I, I remember having Leonard Williams as a top player in that year's draft, and he fell to six. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Mike hits the lottery and, and uh, Nick Bosa falls right in their lap. We'll have to wait and see. 
Okay, and obviously defense is a heavy theme. I mean, he mentioned it in his opening statement that it's a very defensive heavy draft, big guy draft, as he mentioned. And so he's going to talk about edge rusher Cleland Farrell, another guy that's been mocked to the Raiders. A lot of these guys that I'm talking about and a lot of these guys that I have these quotes playing about are all guys that have been mocked to the Raiders at some point in time. So he's talking about edge rusher Cleland Farrell from Clemson, what his ceiling might be. Well, I mean, one of the things that I love about Farrell is he never stops, and that to me is the most underrated trait in a pass rusher is persistence. When you see guys, you can talk about speed and power and hands and their ability to bend, all that stuff, uh, but there's also every year when you watch the sack tape of the, of the top pass rushers, they collect four or five. They're just pure effort and just never stopping, and I think you're going to get some of those from Farrell. I, I think he can be, uh, you know, if you want to put a number on it, I don't think he's going to be a you know, 14, 15, 16 sack guy. But I think he can be a really, really good, you know, 10 to 12 sack guy who's going to also hold up in the run um, and not going to have to come off the field. And and to me, that's uh, that's pretty valuable. All right. And then the final quote for segment number two, and it doesn't look like I'm going to get to any calls on the Locked On Raider podcast today. And that's fine. That means I'll just have more calls on Thursday. No worries, uh, because I got some more quotes that I want to play in segment number three. But the final one for segment number two is DJ's thoughts on West Virginia quarterback Will Greer. Is he a first-round guy? What's his thoughts on him and also skill position guys in general? Basically, if you got to go out and get a skill position guy, which the Raiders are in need of skill position guys, you know, wide receivers, defensive backs, whatever, you know, who would you go get? Who would he focus on? A really detailed answer right here, and this is going to close out segment number two. I don't think uh, Will Greer will get into the first round. I think, uh, you know, for me, I see him kind of more in that you know, middle-round range. Um, he does not have kind of a wow trait. He's a good all-around player, uh, but there's just there's nothing that's going to wow you in terms of an you know an arm strength standpoint, uh, ability to really kind of create, which we've seen become a little bit more important at that position uh, recently, um, and then really kind of nitpicky. But to me, just he he took a lot of sacks when you watch him. I just want to see him be a little more decisive and get the ball out of his hand. He is very accurate, has good touch at all three levels, um, but I want to see him just just get the ball out, not take so many sacks. And he just doesn't have that wow trait, in my opinion, to put him in that discussion. When you look at skill players, you know, I think that wide receiver-wise, you have two that uh, that I believe will go in the first round. Even with the foot injury, I think Marquise Brown will still go in the first round. DK Metcalf is gonna is gonna go in the first round. After that, it's become kind of a flavor thing. You know, we talk about receivers being like a basketball team, you know, what kind of, if you have big guys, okay, maybe you're looking for, you know, a little more explosive player, smaller player, you have small guys, you want a bigger guy, you need a slot guy, it's whatever you're looking for, there's all kinds of flavors, and I think you'll see a bunch of those skilled players roll off the board, second, third, fourth round, there'll be a boatload of them. All right, Raider Nation, hopefully you're enjoying this, Uh, if you're not, let me know, (laughs) I will never do this again, if you are, let me know, because I will continue to do this, I think it's pretty cool, I think it's very interesting what these guys say, I mean, it's one thing to have them on on the podcast and just interview them one-on-one, that's cool, but if I can't do that, then I might as well do the next best thing, right, just bring to you what their thoughts are on the guys that I'd be asking about anyway, so hopefully you're enjoying this, I enjoy it a lot, but again, you can let me know your thoughts, and you can even say, hey, I don't agree with what DJ said or I think he's dead on it don't matter I want to hear your feedback on this 707-654-4693 that's the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line coming up in segment number three I got the second half of quotes more stuff on Kyler Murray more stuff on defensive players stuff on some wide receivers and some running backs good stuff from DJ coming up next right here on the Locked On Raiders podcast you are Locked On Raiders 
your daily podcast on the Oakland Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are, final segment of the day on the Locked On Raiders podcast on Wednesday, February 27, 2019. The month is almost over. It'll be uh, the first of the month on Friday, and hey, we'll already be into March. Free agency will be right around the corner, and then boom, before you know it, the draft will be here. So right now, that's what we're focused on. We're focused on the scouting combine and leading up to the draft. And really, the reason I wanted to push all these off on you right now is because all the action at the combine is going to be happening Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I want you to have this in your ear hole before that. So you kind of have things to look out for while you're watching NFL Network's coverage of the combine. If you're like me, it's like my crack. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. I can sit on the couch and watch it for hours, and on top of that, record it, and whatever I miss, go back and watch later. I mean, and I swear to you that I will do that. So I want you to have all these thoughts from Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on Twitter. I want you to get all his thoughts from it so you can head into the action and actually see what maybe he was talking about, and then you can go into your mock drafts and who you might want to see the Raiders go ahead and grab. This is a lot of good stuff. So let's get things going right now. Daniel Jeremiah talks about Iowa State's wide receiver Hakeem Butler, who, in my opinion, is a stud, and also running back David Montgomery, another guy I think is a stud. And they've both been mentioned on this podcast before, but uh, here is his thoughts on those two guys, wide receiver Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery, the running back. I'll start with, uh, with Butler. I mean, he's got rare size and length, and he has some circus catches. Uh, you know, as you know, when you study him, his catch radius is ridiculous. He's outstanding down in the red zone. You know, the concerns, he's a little bit kind of a long strider, a little bit plotting as a runner. When you get to the top of your route, can he get in and out? It's tough. You know, there's a reason why we don't see that many six foot six wide receivers in the NFL. It's tough to get in and out of your break at that size. So that's going to be something he can display at the combine. You know, can he, can he drop his weight and can he get in and out of the break um, smoothly? That's going to be kind of his, his question mark. And we'll see what his top end speed is. You know, he's, he's one of those guys, it's tricky because he really gains ground with that long stride. He might end up being faster than, uh, than a lot of people expect. Um, I don't have him in that first-round range, but I think he's somebody that, again, he answers some of those questions at the combine. Uh, with his ability to get in and out, he can, uh, he can move up a little bit. And then Montgomery, is, he is just fun to watch. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. I, I go back through my list, and I've got – Gosh, I think 365 players done, and I try and go through and highlight four or five guys at every position. And I just kind of like these are my kind of guys. These guys, you know, if you're running a team, I'd want somebody like this. Um, the way they play the game with the the passion, the toughness. Um, there's just something about them. I'd want them on my team. And David Montgomery is one of those guys for me. I, he's the third, my third running back. Vision, patience, stop, start, quickness. Um, He's, he's got a lot of natural instincts as a runner. And as a pass protector, you know, he'll miss some cut blocks. That's an area he can continue to improve and get better. Uh, but to me, if he's, if he's fully healthy and, and gets the, you know, passes everything he needs to pass from that standpoint, uh, I think he's a no-brainer as a second-round pick, and I think he'll be a day-one starter. Two positions of need right there for the Raiders that he's talking about. Two guys that I'm very, very high on. And now, keeping things moving, another position that the Raiders uh, are probably going to have to need because Jared Cook probably will not be returning, and that's tight ends. DJ on the tight ends in the draft, when a team should look for one, where to get one. 
Very good answer. Very interesting answer. And, and you might already know the answer to this if you go back to listen to what he said in his opening statement. But here's DJ on the tight ends in the draft. I can find you tight ends in every round in this draft. I mean, it's, it's a, a really, really good group. I'll give you a couple guys. Uh, Kahali Waring from San Diego State. Uh, it was going to be 6'5 plus 250 pounds. He's got really, really soft hands. He can, he can really roll. Excellent change of direction and athlete. Um, he's a work in progress. I mean, he's not played a lot of football. I want to say was water polo in, uh, in high school. Um, but he's somebody that's the, the best is ahead of him, and he's limitless in terms of his athleticism. I actually saw him in the gym <laughs> over the summer before I knew anything about him. I, I'd go down to a place in San Diego for my son at, at uh, Fitness Quest 10 with, uh, with Todd Durkin, which is he's trained Drew Brees, LT, uh, trained there, Sproles is in there, uh, we saw a bunch of NFL players work out there is what I'm getting at. And I, I go in there over the summer, and I see this dude, and I go, Todd, who the heck is that? And I thought it was an NFL player, and it was Kahali Waring, the tight end from San Diego State. So he's going to pass the eye test. He's probably going to go off the board in the, in the second or third round. Um, that's one that's interesting. Then uh, Caden Smith from Stanford, who has probably more contested catches than anybody in this draft. I mean, he's... You're not gonna you're not gonna run away from a ton of people, but he works in the seams and he catches balls and absorbs contact um, as well as anybody you're gonna see. So I, he's somebody who can play in line. He can flex him out. Um, he, he's gonna be another one that's gonna be in that uh, to me that two three range. Good stuff right there. Again, another position to need for the Raiders. And now DJ on the Pac-12 prospects he has his eyes on, including a guy who's been mocked to the Raiders multiple times from multiple different people at multiple different outlets. He's mentioned in this as well, but I just like the fact that he breaks down the Pac-12 prospects. So uh, here's DJ's thoughts on Pac-12 prospects. You know, I, I, I continue to be impressed with Chris Peterson and the Washington program. You know, when you, when you just look at the job that he's done of identifying players and developing players and, and pushing them out, he's, it seems like every year they continue to do it. And, you know, you look at the secondary all the guys they've had picked over the last several years. They've got another one coming up in Byron Murphy, who's got a chance to be a, a first-round pick. He's very, very instinctive, great ball skills. He's tough. I don't think he's going to he's going to run as fast as some of the other corners they've had in recent years, uh, and that maybe will drop him into the second round. But that's uh, that's somebody that I, I'm a big fan of. Taylor Rapp, the safety from Washington. Again, I keep using these, these the same words, but instinctive. Um, they, they, they do a great job there of identifying really natural, instinctive football players. And Taylor Rapp is somebody who doesn't miss tackles. He can play a variety of positions. You could play him as a nickel backer. He could play a little bit over the slot if you wanted him to. He can be the high safety. He can be a force player. Um, he's just a really, really good player. And then uh, Caleb McGarry is another one, the big tackle there um, at Washington, who's played on the right side. You have to get sort through the medical stuff there. He's had a heart issue, but he's six, almost six foot seven, three hundred twenty pounds. He's quick. He's strong. He's tough. Uh, there's a lot to work with with him. You know, to me, when I watch him, John, he reminds me a little bit of of Whitworth. Watching him at LSU. Um, where you kind of envision and, and you maybe could see uh, where that was going with him. Um, to me, McGarry is uh, is somebody that has that type of upside and ability. So in terms of the conference as a whole, just been really, really impressed with that group and what they've done up there at that school. That's some interesting stuff right there from Daniel Jeremiah. Now, I told you we were going to get back to Kyler Murray. I told you we were going to get back to the quarterback position, right? So DJ, on where Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins would stack up in the draft 
compared to the five QBs that were taken in round one in 2018. Now, this is something that we need to listen to. This is something that we really need to pay attention to because he already said earlier, you heard that in segment number two, Kyler Murray quarterback one, Dwayne Haskins quarterback two for him in 2019. Where would they have stacked up in 2018? And then maybe you might think twice about trying to replace Derek Carr. Listen to what Daniel Jeremiah has to say about those two guys. I'll uh, start with the first part of the question. In terms of grades, now this is the grade I had in them coming out, not what they've done. Um, I would have, I have Darnold with the highest grade, then it was Rosen, then it was Mayfield, and then I gave the same grade to Josh Allen as my fourth quarterback last year as I gave to Kyler Murray this year. So they would be tied for my fourth and then I would have Haskins would be behind them, and then Lamar Jackson would be behind him. So that would be the order I have uh, stacking those guys in with last year's class based purely uh, off the grade. Very interesting, Raider Nation. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Holler at your boy. We're going to stick with uh, Kyler Murray, though. DJ talking about what Kyler might or might not do at the Combine and what he believes he may have to gain. And just in case you're wondering, Kyler Murray will be measured on Thursday. If you're wondering how tall he is, how much he weighs and all that good stuff, how big his hands are, measurements are on Thursday for quarterbacks. And I don't know what kind of workouts he's going to do on the weekend, over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. He might not do anything, but he's sure going to get measured. And Daniel Jeremiah is actually going to address that as well. So uh, here's some interesting thoughts on what Kyler might do at the Combine. Well, I mean, the obvious answer is, you know, he's, he's just got to get heighted and weighted. I mean, that's going to be what people are waiting to see. How tall is he? How big is he? Um, I saw some people speculating, oh, maybe he'll, you know, Lamar Jackson refused to run. Maybe he refuses to get measured. That's, there's no chance. I've never seen that done. Um, they, they won't let you do it at a pro day. I mean, scouts we won't let you work out if you don't get heighted and weighted at a pro day. It might be two days after the combine, but that's our responsibility to find out, you know, if there's any change there. So I've never seen it in my eight years in scouting. I've never heard of it where a player has been at the combine and refused to get, you know, a height and weight. So that, I don't buy that. Um, what, you know, what will he do on the field? We've seen several top quarterbacks not throw over the years, and we've seen some of them do it. So that, to me, uh, selfishly, if somebody's going to be sitting there calling it, I sure as heck hope he throws because he's got a live arm and he'll be fun to watch. Um, I do hope he does, uh, he does decide to do that. But um, the other issue, you know, other question is, you go through the, some guys will go through the physical testing, run your 40, jump, do all that stuff. So then at your pro day, you can focus on just throwing. Um, he's got a lot of decisions to make with that stuff. I, I would encourage him to, to run at some point in time. I thought last year, Lamar Jackson, you know, we knew he was fast, and I think he wanted to put the emphasis on him as a thrower. I understand that. But I thought if you've got, if you've got something that's pretty special, um, which, which Lamar had with his speed and Kyler has with his speed, why not take the opportunity to show that off? So hopefully he'll decide to do that. There you go. The long mystery of how tall he is, how much he weighs, all that good stuff. Kyler Murray, the whole mystery will be a done deal after Thursday. All right, now keeping this thing moving, Daniel Jeremiah is talking about LSU defenders Devin White and Greedy Williams. Both of those guys have definitely been mocked to the Raiders, right? Yeah, he's talking about those guys right here. Devin White, I mean, look, speed, range, the ability to cover, um, the effort, the leadership, all those traits you're looking for in a modern linebacker. Uh, obviously, the leadership, the effort has is, is been there through the test of time, but the, the ability to cover and run is, is so huge right now at that position. So that's what makes him unique. I had a little bit higher grade on Roquan last year, 
but Devin is, is not far behind that, and I think he's somebody that if you're looking, you know, wherever he goes, he's going he's gonna to plug and play. He's going to be a rookie of the year candidate who's going to collect a ridiculous number of tackles and in, uh, in explosive plays. Greedy Williams was tough for me. Maybe one of the, it literally, I would say, if not the toughest, one of the three toughest evaluations for me in the whole draft because I see the height, I see the length, I see the ball skills and, and the overall athleticism, which I which I really, really like. Um, he's fluid, he's smooth. I just, from a short area, that short area quickness you want to see, and some of that, some of that, uh, Feistiness, I don't really see that as much as I'd like to see. Against the run, um, he's he's not he hadn't been good. He's a liability against the run. So not having kind of that physicality, a little bit more of an edge to him, that's my concern. Uh, as well as some of that kind of short area uh, explosiveness, those would be uh, my two areas of concern with him. And and really, you talk to teams around the league; they're all over the map. There's some teams view greedy as the is the no doubt top corner. And there's some teams that have him buried. So he's uh, he's a pretty polarizing player. All right, now we're about to get into a couple Alabama guys with Daniel Jeremiah. And one, he's a guy that I've talked about not drafted in 2019 because, well, he's not in the draft in 2019. That's Alabama quarterback Tua. He was asked what he is as a quarterback right now and what he needs to work on to be ready for 2020's draft. And you know that he's someone that I suggested the Raiders draft in 2020 just as nothing more than competition for Carr if that is the guy moving forward. But here's DJ on Alabama's quarterback, Tua. He's pretty darn good. I mean, I got a chance to, to meet him and watch him work out at the Elite 11 in Los Angeles over the summer. Um, and uh, he's somebody – I actually brought my son, who was 14 at the time, and got to meet all, you know, all the top college quarterbacks were there and got to spend time with them and uh, – and he spent, you know, no, just hey, let me we take a picture with my son. You know, my son was, you know, knows all these kids. He's a big football fan. So all the guys were nice to him. Took a picture with him. Tua, Tua talked to my son for probably 10, 15 minutes. Um, so he's my son's favorite college football player. I mean, he's a, he's a special guy. Just how engaging he is um, as a player. I have not done a full workup on him. I just know, haven't seen him throw live. I know there's there's a guy that can make every single throw and really, really a really good anticipatory thrower, uh, which is something I believe is tough to teach. He throws with outstanding anticipation, um, which is which is good to see. Now, hopefully, you know, what does he need to work on? I'd have to do more work to be able to tell you that. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can get over this little injury bug, uh, some of these issues he's had to deal with in his lower half and have a nice, clean season next year. All right, and like I said, sticking with the Alabama theme, DJ on Alabama offensive lineman Jonah Williams when he thinks he may come off the board. And that's another guy I said I wouldn't be surprised to see if the Raiders pull the trigger on. Here he is talking O-lineman Jonah Williams from Alabama. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a little bit similar situation. He's not the same player um, coming out as Zach Martin, but it's the same conversation being had. You know, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? I think there's a chance he can hold up a tackle and be a functional starting tackle. I think he's got a chance to be special inside. I think, to me, that's where he fits best. Some of his, his, his length issues, he's not a real long guy, shows up shows up in the Clemson game this year, showed up in the Clemson game last year, where guys kind of get into his chest and he struggles a little bit on the edge. So I like him kicking inside. He is a dominating run blocker. Talk about somebody that can get his hands on people and work up to the second level combo blocks. He's instinctive. He runs his feet on contact. Um, Played a lot of football there at Alabama. I know some teams actually like him at center. Uh, I just I wrote him up and said, you know, I, I think he's got a chance to be a perennial Pro Bowl guard 
uh, with the way that he plays. I, I love the nasty that he has. Um, i got to come up with a new scouting term if anybody wants to help me because we used to call it typewriter feet, but apparently typewriters aren't a thing anymore. So i got to find another way to describe that as somebody that's got that quick pitter-patter with his feet. He's just a real quick-footed guy. All right, Raider Nation, final quote on today's show. Final quote of the segment. Final quote with Daniel Jeremiah. All this good stuff is going to wrap up, be wrapped up right now with two guys who, well, just kind of like the theme of the whole podcast, have been mocked to the Raiders at some point or other. DJ, on Michigan defensive players, Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush. I've seen Gary mocked as high as four. I don't agree with it, but I've seen it happen. And then Devin Bush I've seen later in round one. So uh, this is something that is very interesting and may impact the Raiders. So here it is, DJ, on Michigan defensive players, Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush. Rashawn Gary, to me, is uh, he's a little bit more athlete than football player at this point in time. You know, you'll see – Rare, rare, rare combination of size and speed. Uh, very explosive. The production doesn't necessarily match the, the skill set. So that, to me, kind of going back through, watching more tape on all these guys as you go through the process, I still I view him as a top 10 player. Wouldn't shock me if he was the second pick in the draft um, because there's tremendous upside with him. You know, From a skill set standpoint, I think the ceiling for him is like a Cam Jordan seem to be one of the better defensive ends in the NFL. He's a big, heavy end. I know some people say you should kick inside. I like him better on the edge. That's where he fits for me. But the kind of the, you know, a lot of disruption, not a lot of production. That's why he dropped a little bit on my list. And then really, I think when you look at Bush, nothing, I mean, I'm a big fan of his. You know, he dropped a couple spots more about other players kind of moving around around him that kind of impacts him uh, in that way. That's why there's a little bit of movement there. All right, Raider Nation, that's a wrap on Daniel Jeremiah's teleconference. Actually, he probably had about 10 to 12 more little quotes, but I don't think that they really pertain that much to the Raiders, so I was just good with that. I thought that that was a lot of good information for you to digest and, and you to soak in and kind of get you a, a good feeling for the combine and, and some of these players that are going to be in the combine and maybe even what to look out for. So hopefully, again, like I said in, at the end of segment number two, hopefully you enjoyed that. I know I did. I would love to hear your feedback on what Daniel Jeremiah had to say about those certain players do you agree with it do you not agree with it did you like the podcast i don't know just i'd like to hear from you 707-654-4693 that's going to do it for wednesday's episode until thursday we will have a lot of calls on thursday's episode because definitely got to catch up having a lot of good calls uh hit up that locked on raider podcast voicemail line so we're going to do that thursday friday we're going to get it in raider nation is just what we do until next time until thursday as always raider nation just win baby